0: touch with technology with tech stuff from HowStuffWorks.com.
1: Hey there, everyone, and welcome to tech stuff I'm Jonathan Strickland. And I'm Lauren Vogelbaum. And we're going to track your activity with activity trackers. That's what we're talking about today. We're talking about various devices that allow you to see how much activity you've uh, you've you've generated over a certain amount of time and sometimes it helps you figure out uh, how many calories you've burned or how well you've been sleeping. Uh we want to talk about what these devices are, what they do, how they do it, and whether or not they're actually effective if you want to do something like lose weight or get fit.
0: Uh, yeah, just I mean, you know, not that that many people are interested in that kind of thing,
1: yeah you know, yeah, there's like maybe two, right? Uh, okay, so the last few times I've gone to CES, I have noticed uh, really, it was I think it was two years ago where the it, it was dramatically apparent that fitness tracking and activity tracking is a real thing. I mean, it's it's huge,
0: a huge booming industry. yeah, well, I mean, you know as as between circuitry getting smaller and and uh, syncing technology improving and the software improving mm-hmm. and just all of these things have been coming together to create these smaller sleeker you know better devices that right. can really help people
1: out things that hypothetically I'll, things like <laughs> interoperability too where it can uh, interact with uh, computers or smartphones not not every device does that uh, let's be clear about that there are a lot of devices out there that have kind of a limited, uh, use like maybe they just sync with a computer or maybe it's just a standalone device, but a lot of them do sync up with more than one device. You could do it with a smartphone application or, uh, or a computer or other things as well.
0: And they'll let you, they'll let you, uh, port, uh, port whatever data you record into different apps so that if, for example, you're into this kind of thing and you have a favorite app, you can, uh, you can use that one to crunch your numbers rather than whatever other proprietary thing they have created.
1: Right, right. So this gives you a chance to, uh, to really keep a good look, you know, get a really good look at how much activity uh you are you have throughout a given amount of time like a week or a day so you might say all right i, I want to set a goal for myself and this device will help me measure up against that goal and decide you know am i am i meeting my goal do i need to uh to crank up the activity do i need to maybe you know do a a a 3 mile jog in the morning in order to hit what my goals are do i need to um to scale back or yeah um, for
0: for for hardcore trainers am i running my heart rate too hard
1: yeah yeah, so uh, it all depends on what device you have, whether or not you can actually do these things. Because, like we said, not every device does everything. Uh, in fact, uh, depending upon what you want, that's going to really guide your choices when it comes to picking an activity tracker if you're interested in something like that.
0: Absolutely, and there's um, there's um a lot of really terrific reviews out there on the Internet. Uh, we'll mention a, a, at least one good site to go to later on in the podcast.
1: Yeah, there's I, I came across lots and lots of them, and it's interesting, too, because you can – See where uh, the different preferences come into play because one reviewer might say, well, you know, X is the best activity tracker because it does things this way, and someone else will say, "No, no, no. Y is the best activity tracker because it does things in this other way." And it's just because it appeals to that particular person. It winds up being
0: a very personal choice, right?
1: So, uh, so that's one thing you can get you can walk away with right now is that we're not gonna. At the end of this podcast, it's not like we're gonna say the best activity tracker is blah 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 because it all depends on what you want to get out of it. Uh, now, frankly, I think if you are looking at one of these things, the thing you really want to get out of it is uh, is making sure that you are living a healthy lifestyle. Right. And most of the ones that are on the market right now will help you do that depending on how you use it. It's It's not a magic device that automatically turns you into a fit pro athlete.
0: Right. No, no. You have to you have to have your own uh, personal sense of motivation about exercising. First, probably obtaining a fitness tracker is going to be one of the steps that you're, you know, carrying out in this right. motivation. Um and and study, studies have shown um that, that that just mindfulness about this kind of thing can really help you out um from uh, lots lots of different corners of health and fitness uh, when when you are given the power to track your own data and to kind of take it into your own hands like that maybe gamify it a tiny bit sure yeah um you it it really helps you out
1: right uh, there's a, a an expert her name's Dina Bravada i'm sure you ran across her name several times as well because it's all over the place in the research on uh, activity tracking and she has said that uh there there is a bit of a bias that's present with activity trackers in the sense of the people who are interested in them. Uh, She says that, uh, here's a quote, often those kind of programs have been criticized because they attract people who are already physically active. In general, there are two categories of people who use these trackers, those who are told to wear them by a doctor because of an underlying health problem, and those who are really active and just get a kick out of knowing their data. Now, none of that is a, a, a smack against these activity trackers and whether or not they are effective in what they do. Uh, she is simply saying that this is the person side of that equation, not the technology side of that equation. So let's assume that at least some of you guys out there listening are very much interested in this kind of stuff, and uh, you are either interested in just knowing how they work in general, or you're actually thinking, hey, I would kind of like to look into one of these. Uh, how do they track activity? What exactly is being tracked? And what other features might I be interested in if I want to get one of these things myself? So, I thought we'd talk a little bit about some of the basic technologies that you find inside some of these
0: trackers Oh right, because these little these little bitty watch sized or uh bracelet sized or clips clips you know mm-hmm. you yeah, have very, very small devices these days oh yeah uh, can teeny pack tiny. can pack a lot of uh uh tracking devices into them.
1: Yeah, the sensors that are available now really boggle the mind. And like we said, I don't think there is a device out there that has every single version of what we're about to talk about. But I, they,
0: I have not seen one.
1: Yeah, but there, but many of them have several, some of them only have one or two, some and uh, it may be that the way that they're packaged is very attractive, but they but from a technological point of view, they are comparatively simple. Uh, but I think one very basic technology we can talk about that uh, you can find, and in fact some people will argue that this is really all you need if you just want to track some basic activity, is a pedometer.
0: Oh, right, and these have been uh, mechanical pedometers, I believe, have been around since the 1960s, and they hypothetically, I, this is this is tenuous uh, tenuous reportage, but, uh, but some people say that the da Vinci or Thomas Jefferson uh, came up with the idea many, many moons ago.
1: Yeah, that's a pretty big spread in years if I know my history. But yeah, uh, uh, and I do. But yeah, Pedometer today... Uh, takes a, a pretty basic form. Usually you have some sort of display that's going to tell you how many steps you have taken. That's what a pedometer does. It's supposed to measure how many steps you take. So how does it do that? It's essentially counting the number of times your foot makes impact with the ground. And really that means it's just uh, measuring various shaking of your body. So if you are on, in a car and you're on a particularly bumpy road, it's going to start registering that as footsteps if it's particularly bumpy.
0: Oh, right. Or, um, uh, or- or if you hold it in your hand and sway your arm back and forth, you would totally fool the device. Right. Not that I know that from prior, uh, get fit corporate, um, programs yeah. that I have cheated a tiny bit on.
1: Right. Uh, you're not benefiting anyone at that point. Let's, let's stop the cheating. Hey, Lauren, aren't you the team captain of our own? Departmental. I wasn't fit?
0: cheating. I was demonstrating to people how the device worked, and I was accused of of using that as a as way a, of boosting mm-hmm. your numbers. Yeah.
1: All right, team captain. Now I've learned a little more about you. So anyway, what's what's going on here is inside the pedometer, you have a uh, a system that essentially forms a switch. All right. You've got you've got a weight, and when that weight moves, it can make a connection that uh, closes a switch. And counts as a step, and then when it moves away, that uh, and hits it again, that counts as another step. So every time this weight uh, disconnects and then reconnects with a contact, a step is registered. And uh, you know, it used to be that these were pretty big mechanical things where you had a, a weight suspended on, like a spring um, uh,
0: or a pendulum or a small ball that could roll back and forth across a tiny track.
1: Right now, we're talking about things that are on the the microstructure level, but it's still this basic mechanical motion of making a contact breaking a contact and that every time you do and that, that
0: break is what counts as a step step.
1: yeah so uh, it's still still the same mechanical approach. It's just now it's much 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 smaller than what it used to be back in the 60s or earlier if we are to believe that uh, some of our our uh, genius ancestors came up with this idea.
0: It was probably Tesla.
1: yeah it all it always ends up being Tesla. Although his probably would also bring down an airplane. So uh, anyway, uh, it, the the old pedometers, if you were to actually pick one up and shake it, you might hear a clicking noise, and that's the little switch that's inside it. Uh, again, it might be that little ball if it's using that particular kind of technology. The the newer ones, again, are all chip based. They don't have those little those. They don't have things large enough to make that kind of clicking noise, unless you've been shaking it way too hard. In which case, something is probably loose, and it may not be working at all anymore. But anyway, that's your very basic pedometer. So it's not terribly accurate in the sense that it can't it can't distinguish between different kinds of impact and say, oh well, that was definitely a step versus that was just a bump.
0: Right. Uh, Um, But they they are getting a little bit more technologically advanced in that originally you had to use the counter and combine that with a calculation of how long each of your steps were in order to calculate distance. These days they can do that for you with onboard computers.
1: Sure. Oh, so instead of saying like, oh, my stride is this many inches long, therefore this many steps. Equals, and having to do a little bit of math. Right. Yeah. Uh, by the way, I said inches and I would say miles because I, I live in America and that's what we do, but centimeters, meters, that kind of thing. It right, all, right. All, it would, it, it does the math depending on what scale you're using. Uh, the more advanced version of this sort of approach, is the accelerometer. Right. Now, an accelerometer is different. It's not got a little switch that's just uh uh registering a change a break and on like, and off. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's not just like that was a shake. It's actually detecting changes in velocity. Uh now velocity is speed plus direction. So if you alter uh that velocity, then you are talking about an accelerating force. Right. So, for example, when you start when you start from a, a standstill and you start moving into a run, that's accelerating. You're accelerating into a run. Now, once you hit top speed, you are no longer accelerating. You may be maintaining a speed. But accelerometers are all meant to detect these changes in velocity. And you've got two basic categories of accelerometers. There are many types of accelerometers, but they fall into two basic categories. There's static accelerometers. Now, these measure a static uh, form of uh, acceleration. For instance, gravity. Gravity is static. It's not changing. Uh, when you are on the surface of the Earth, it's going to remain the same. And um, so uh, you might wonder, why would you need a static accelerometer? It's so that you can determine the rotation of a device in respect to the surface of the Earth. Very important for something like a smartphone, where you are right. holding the okay. smartphone, you move it from portrait to landscape. Mm-hmm. The, the static accelerometer is what tells it, oh, the uh the the attitude of this phone has changed not that you're giving off attitude necessarily you might be texting well, I, I don't well,
0: know Well, i usually am yeah
1: this is fair but and rather the position in relative to the surface of the earth so if you were to turn it into the landscape mode the screen would uh would change uh to reflect that that's what a static accelerometer is useful for dynamic accelerometers they measure changes in motion of the accelerometer itself so the accelerometer is part of the larger device. Mm-hmm. So this is to measure the changes in acceleration of that device, not in respect to the ground, but just within that device itself. So you might have both types in a fitness tracker. If the fitness tracker has some sort of screen that will rotate depending upon how you're holding your arm, uh, let's say it's a, it's a screen that's on a wristband or something that's like a watch. Then it might have a static accelerometer and a dynamic one. The dynamic one would be more useful for it to detect changes in velocity and thus uh, translate that into motion. The user is moving around, and uh, that means that the user is burning calories and is uh, there's there's activity going on. So that's part of the data that this device will gather and uh, analyze to translate that into this is. What your body is doing,
0: oh, right, right, and and we should we should add at this point that um that a lot of the actual output of data that these devices are giving you is not um is not the actual data that these sensors are taking in. A lot of it is um uh, really fancy algorithms. And and thank you to Peter on Facebook for writing in and telling me that I totally say that wrong sometimes because I do. Um, you know, it's 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 approximating more complex technology or it's um uh, gathering together a bunch of these. Little tiny numbers and figuring out something useful that it can tell you in return. Exactly,
1: taking this raw data and making it meaningful to us, because otherwise, we really what an accelerometer would tell you is how much voltage it was generating, which doesn't help us at all. That no. doesn't. That's not meaningful to at least it's not meaningful to me, and I suspect not to Lauren. Uh, some of you uh, electricians out there might say, "No, I totally get it," but the rest of us are thinking, "No, we need this translated into something that makes sense, like how many calories did I burn, or how many." Steps did I take, or how far did I go? Uh, so that's that's the basic uh, two kinds of accelerometers. The the ca- types underneath those are how they detect these changes in velocity. Uh, and there's a lot. There's there are capacitive ones. There's piezoelectric. There's piezo resistive. There's magneto resistive. There's heat transfer. There's lots of different types. There's some that use light. But the one that I think. The the type that's used the most in electronics, as far as I can tell, is the capacitive type. And so you might wonder how does this work? You've got some microstructures within a uh, a chip. All right, one of them is uh, you've got a housing which is is mounted directly to whatever the device is on a substrate. So this housing uh, will move in uh, the same way that the device itself moves. It's it's dependent upon that. Uh, then you've got a little microstructure inside of it that can move freely uh, in respect to the housing. So if you were to shake the device, the microstructure would lag a little bit and then pick up that motion, just as if you had a spring with a ball on the end and you started moving the top of the spring and then the ball would start to move. It's this whole momentum thing that's coming up. Uh, you've also got these other little bitty structures, these microstructures inside this, this tiny little chip. I and mean, I'm talking about teeny tiny. We're, we're talking on the level of microns.
0: Right, right. Yeah. These, these are all called, uh, microelectromechanical systems.
1: Yeah. They're, they're so small that you have to have an automated system to etch them onto chips because there's no human with the precision. Right. Necessary to make these things. So super tiny. But, uh, as the microstructure moves, it starts to move between these plates that have capacitance that changes the Capacitance it causes current to flow, and measuring the current tells you how much this device is moving. And by uh, putting these chips in different arrangements within a device, you can track different types of movement. Because you can only detect movement along one axis with a with a very simple accelerometer. Mm-hmm. Uh, that means that you can detect uh, movement along one line of of one one vector. Really, you can't mm-hmm. anything uh, beyond that it wouldn't detect. So let's say left, right versus up, down. Uh, if you had three of these accelerometers or two, two axis accelerometers, uh, that were at right angles to one another, you could then detect things like along the X axis, the Y axis and the Z axis. So three axis accelerometers, what we call those. And, um, those are the,
0: those are the popular ones. And in all of the new devices coming out these days. Yeah.
1: And it's also the kind of stuff you find in things like video game controllers. Right. Uh, and it's, you know, some of them you hear about six axis, which is really just getting more specific.
0: more Yeah. More precise.
1: Um, yeah, and so this will detect those changes in motion and be able to translate that into, again, meaningful data once you run those raw numbers through whatever software you've got. Uh, so those are your two basic ways of detecting motion from a purely, like, this device is moving kind of perspective. There are other things that will also detect motion, which we'll talk about uh, as well in a little bit. Uh, Before I get to that, though, I do need to say there's a couple other things that are important about accelerometers. One is that sensitivity of an accelerometer is extremely important. The more sensitive an accelerometer is... Then the more it will uh, generate a larger uh, charge and or larger change in signal rather for a given change in acceleration compared to a less sensitive uh, chip. So these bigger changes are easier to measure, and that gives the device a better idea of the actual changes in, in acceleration. So in other words, uh, if you if you make it so that these changes are are huge. Uh, it can really narrow down the parameters of what that change means. And it can be more precise in thinking this is more likely an actual step versus someone right. just bumped their knee on their desk and went, ow.
0: Yeah, know? yeah, the, the technology is getting a lot better at um, weeding out those false positives.
1: Exactly. And then there are other things you got to keep in mind, like what's the maximum swing of your accelerometer? That's telling you how much... Uh, force it can measure or how much of a change in acceleration it can measure. Uh, this is really more important if you are designing something that moves really, really fast and comes to really fast stops, like a jet. Not so much with a person because while you feel you might be fast, Compared to other stuff, you're really slow.
0: Less, less fast than a jet.
1: Uh, and then you have bandwidth, which is how many times a second you can take a reliable acceleration reading. Uh, and we don't need anything too precise for human activity, because again, we're not moving that quickly. But these are things that are important in accelerometers in general. Uh, we've got a lot more to talk about as far as the sensors go within this, uh, these, uh, these activity trackers. But before we get into that, let's take a quick moment to thank our sponsor, Alright, we're back. So, uh, so we talked about accelerometers and pedometers. There is one other way the device can track whether or not you've moved around.
0: Uh, right, because accelerometers are really great if you're, for example, on a treadmill.
1: Yeah, fantastic, because y- it doesn't have to track your location, it just has to track What you are doing, but if you have a GPS receiver in your activity tracker, and some of them do, lots of them do, you can actually track where you are uh, in relation to, I don't know, anything else on the planet, but these are not so useful if you're just running on a treadmill.
0: No, but but they are very much more accurate for uh, calculating the distance that you have gone.
1: Right. Yeah, so GPS in general, this global positioning system, uh, What what's going on is you've got the satellites that are beaming down information here to the planet.
0: A, a network of 24 of them.
1: Yeah. So your GPS receiver receives this these signals from the various satellites. Now, each satellite is sending its own unique signal down that has essentially a time stamp on
0: it. Right, and they're all single- Synchronized.
1: Right. So you're getting these different, uh, signals all at the same time from at least, usually at least three satellites. Yeah, four,
0: four works best.
1: But. Four works best. And, and so your device gets these different signals from these different satellites, and by measuring how long it took the signal from each satellite to get to that, uh, that device, it just compares that against its own, uh, its own little internal clock. It can, tell you where you are on the surface of the earth. Technically you could be in one of two places, but that second place is inside the earth. So we pretty much just say that's not. not, it it cuts
0: cuts that right out. Yeah. And this was originally military technology, I believe in the 1970s. Yeah. All the way into the eighties and and nineties.
1: In fact, when, when we first started getting consumer, uh, access to the, the global positioning system, uh, the accuracy of that system for consumers was limited on purpose.
0: Right, yeah. They, they put limiters into the devices to say, like, yeah, we don't really want you to know this thing.
1: Yeah. You, we can say, you are somewhere within 1,500 feet of Here, this. You're here-ish. Yeah, here-ish. Yeah. Uh, but now they're very, very accurate. Uh, it's eventually gotten to the point where... Uh, you know, it's, it's just it's the way of, technology works. It's is kind it? of creepy accurate. Yeah. 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 So the GPS receiver will track where you are by, by taking all this information from the satellites and, and running that through its own algorithm and, uh, then determining what your location is on the earth. And that way you can do something like, uh, if you jog a, a specific path and you really liked it, you can plot it against a map and share it with other people. Or you can just, you know, see how far you went, uh, based upon some mapping program, uh, it may be that you could compare how far you went based uh, from the map compared to whatever the activity tracker says, because some of these have multiple sensors in them, right? Some of them might have a pedometer or some other um, uh, means of saying this is how many steps you took.
0: And use these in conjunction, too.
1: Yeah, and yeah. it's funny because I've seen some where they do both. They have the GPS tracker and they have the pedometer part where it tells you how far you went based upon how many steps you took. And you can compare the two to see how accurate the pedometer is. And in some cases, it's not so accurate. That's why reading reviews is really important because you might, you might say, well, if I go by the pedometer, it says I ran 4.5 miles. But when I look at the map, it says two miles.
0: Oh yeah, that is a, that is a large difference.
1: Yeah, there, there was actually a review I saw that specifically said that. OK, so those are all the various kinds of sensors and technologies that might be an activity tracker to that tell relate you how to motion that relate to yeah, you moving around. But there are other sensors, too, right?
0: Yeah, there's a whole bunch of them. Um, and these these are all the um, physiological sensors that oh, are gotcha. going to track things like your sweat and your heart rate. And there's been a bunch of different things over the years that have uh, that have contributed to this. The original heart rate monitor, of course, was the electrocardiogram, a.k.a. the ECG or E kg um, and that was using electrical pickups in an amplifier circuit that would detect the heart's electrical impulses through your skin um, and you know when when your heart beats it the way that it does it is it generates these pulses. It, it sends a signal out over nerve pathways on the surface of the heart that cause the muscle to contract during each heartbeat. Mm-hmm. And by picking up those electrical signals, you can, you can track your heartbeat, which is really groovy for, um, for knowing how hard your body is working.
1: Right. Cause I mean, the, there's, there are a lot of things that are important when you're exercising, right? It's not just how much activity you're doing, how many calories you're burning. If you want to have really good, cardio workouts, if you want to have a good aerobic workout, then you need to get have your heart beating in a, within a certain range for a certain amount of time.
0: Right. Uh, and, and that's... Uh, I'll get into that a little bit more in sure. a moment, but uh, e- e- ECGs are... A little bit more clunky. Um, Usually they work with a chest strap that many runners, especially because they're 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 bouncing around, moving a lot, found very uncomfortable to wear. Um, And so a new technology that has come out and has become the standard in non-invasive heart rate sensor sensory um, has been the photoplethysmograph, a.k.a. the PPG. Wow. Which may or may not be called an optical heart sensor for people who don't even want to mess with that entire word.
1: Gotcha. Well, yeah, photo would tell me that there's light that's playing a role in this somehow.
0: Yes. Uh, PPGs bounce light in most cases from an LED in terms of fitness trackers, because LEDs are cool bulbs that will not, you know, um, burn your skin, burn your skin, right. which is cool. Um, uh, they, they bounce light through your skin and back to a sensor. And measure the volume of blood moving through your capillaries. And, oh. and the way this works is that blood absorbs more light than its surrounding tissue. So the less light that comes back to the sensor, the greater the volume of blood is moving through those capillaries at the time. Um, and and this, this volume pulses with each heartbeat. And so by tracking those pulses, a PPG tracks your heart rate at rest and during exercise. That's
1: really cool. So this is the same sort of thing you get when you go into a doctor's office and they have like the little finger clamp thing that ends up and it uses it shines a light onto your fingertip.
0: That is exactly what that is. Um, and these these days they have become um, they're, they're they're getting a little bit more sensitive. Um, and uh, and m- most of them will come in watch format and it will be right against the inside of your wrist. Oh, okay. Uh, but you know they're. They can they can be thrown off by the movement of your skin and muscles, um, sure. which happens during workouts pretty frequently. Ambient
1: light, I would imagine, can also cause problems. Mm-hmm.
0: So some models are pairing a PPG with an accelerometer, sometimes a devoted accelerometer, in order to compensate for your body's movement. Oh, cool. And, uh, also, also, an interesting point, not entirely relevant to fitness trackers, but I thought that this was so cool. Uh, PPG works differently with different wavelengths of light. And so in laboratory and hospital situations, uh, infrared radiation can sometimes be used to assess blood volume in deep tissue, whereas light in the visible range is used in smaller, uh, more, you know, commercial devices like these fitness trackers. Oh,
1: excellent. Awesome. So what else do, okay, so we've got, We've got uh, various ways of tracking the how hard or uh, how quickly your heart is beating. Uh, we've got the idea of position. Are there other ones as well?
0: Another great thing to figure out how much you're exerting yourself is the um, galvanic skin response sensor, which uh. is a really fancy way of saying how much are you sweating right now? Yeah. Um, it, uh, it, tra- it tracks your perspiration by measuring the conductivity of your skin. Um, because your skin is a pretty good conductor of, of of electricity to begin with, but when it's wet, aka when you're sweating, it's an even better conductor. So, um, so yeah, the, the the amount that you're perspiring relates to how much you're exerting yourself, and so by tracking this this conductivity, you can track your exertion. Excellent. Um, another great way is through thermometers, good old thermometers. Um, sometimes infrared, sometimes uh, heat flux, which. Uh, just
1: detecting the, the increase in temperature on your, on the surface of your skin.
0: Right, yeah. Uh, as
1: well as, I assume there has to be one to detect ambient temperature as well.
0: Yeah, it's, it's usually two paired thermometers. Yeah, one tracking your body temperature exactly and one te- tracking the ambient te- temperature because you're, a higher body temperature means that you're working harder and you'd also be working harder in a colder ambient temperature.
1: Gotcha, gotcha. As opposed to it's just plain hot.
0: <laughs> right, exactly.
1: Right. All right. So these are various uh, trackers and sensors that you can find in a lot of the activity trackers that are out there. There are other ones as well. Some of them are much more specific. And when you get down to things like, well, how does it track your sleep? Well, that's usually things, you know, tracking the the changes in motion. Again, it's usually the accelerometer. If it has something that tracks your heart rate, it'll, it'll also be tracking your heart
0: rate. Yeah. But it's basically, it's usually how much you're wiggling around. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So. so So if you, you know, it'll, that's all when you plug in this device, when you sync sync it with whatever, whether it 's an app or it 's your computer, uh, and you get the data back saying you had a really good night 's sleep. It may be because you took it off and set it down next to you instead of wore it um, so yeah I mean these are these are the basic ways it gathers information now the way it processes information is different from one uh, company to the next it 's all various proprietary softwares and algorithms oh, that right. take this, crunch the data and turn it into stuff that makes sense to us. Yeah.
0: Some of them have really great onboard computers for doing that. Um, very tiny onboard computers for doing that right. to, to give you a little bit of a live output. And some of them give you zero live output other than maybe a little blinking LED or something like that. Right.
1: I had a uh, body media fit, for example, and that did not have its own screen. Rather it would, you would have to sync that either to an app via Bluetooth or you would sync it to your computer via a USB cable and then you could make sense of what information had been collecting but you couldn't even tell what it had been collecting until you did that, right? There was no uh, screen indicator so you couldn't read it at a moment's notice unless you happen to have your phone there paired with it in which case you could pull up the app and take a look that way. Right. but yeah, there are other devices that have a dedicated screen, so it's going to give you at least some information, if not everything.
0: Mm-hmm. And, and you know, it's, again, that depends very highly on your personal preference and how much information you need at the moment and, and how much you just kind of want to check up on it later.
1: Yeah, and, and some of these will give you information that's in, uh, very kind of concrete terms in the sense of this is how far you walked or this is how, uh, how much activity your heart has had today, you know, how, how, how often were you in that uh, perfect zone when you were working out versus, uh, you weren't quite pushing yourself as hard as you needed to, or maybe you were pushing yourself too hard and you need to pull back. You need back. to back off, yeah. Um, some of them are a little more, uh, vague, like, uh, so Nike's fuel band, for example, everything's in fuel points. Right. And, and, I know that the fuel is very popular. It's a gorgeous device. It looks very
0: pretty. Oh, yeah, yeah, very sleek. Um,
1: full disclosure, my wife has one. She loves it. She, and she has the app that it's uh, paired up with on her iPhone so she can see what's going on. But uh, it's doing everything in fuel points. And some people have said, some critics have said, that that makes it less useful because you don't know what they mean necessarily.
0: I, I think, well, you know, I, it always reminds me of Microsoft points and, and how you're kind of sort of tricking the system in order to make it a little bit more of a game and less of a reality, well, um, which yeah. helps lots of people, actually, sure. because a lot of people don't want to know how many steps they've taken. They're like... Oh, that was a lot of I, – I, I wasted so much time getting fit yesterday. Why did I do that? But if you get fuel points, then you get – well, Especially
1: yeah. especially if it has a gamification element to it where you are measuring your own activity versus the activity of other people. Sure. If you, if you set your – if you have a way of setting a specific goal using one of these trackers and the tracker can keep uh, track of that – so that it will tell you, "Hey, you met your goal today! Yay! That's a reward system, right? Mm-hmm. You you immediately get that reward, that that sense of satisfaction that you have met your goal for that day. Right? Uh, then you have the added satisfaction if there's a gamification uh, level there beyond just." meet your goal. Just,
0: just getting the badge for yourself. If you can share that badge with your friends and say, hey guys, check what I did. Did you do it? You didn't do it, sucka. Right, yeah. So if,
1: so if you're all using like Fitbits, for example, mm-hmm. I know people who are using Fitbits as a way of challenging each other to see how many steps they could take. Yeah. Uh, and they would, you know, there'd be groups of friends who were, trying to out-walk each other.
0: Yeah, which is great. I mean, you know.
1: Yeah, if that gives you the motivation to get exercise, that's great. You know, there's there's nothing wrong with using the desire to rub your friends' faces and your achievements in order for you to get fit, as long as you, you know. Practice some restraint.
0: <laughs> yeah, a little uh, bit. Hypothetically, I can, t- I can
1: tell you that a punch to the face <laughs> is not good for your physical fitness. Um, but yeah, so the, and there are other levels of gamification too. There's some devices out there that have games built into the software of the device or on the computer that you play, so that as you use the device, as you move around, you generate. Uh, like online currency to play in a little online game. Mm-hmm. The Strive has that. There's a mm-hmm. little uh, online game where you can, as you walk around, you generate coins. And u- using those coins, you can buy stuff in the game world of right. this Little, tracker little, device. a little bit
0: like like Sonic's Rings or something like that. Yeah. yeah or uh, like
1: Farmville. That, you know, uh-huh. But yeah. it's but it's using this you, you generate the currency just by moving around. Mm-hmm. So that's the incentive.
0: Yeah, or um uh an office favorite for a while was a uh, Zombie Run, I think is the name of the app, which yeah. uh which
1: which uh, I think it's Run Zombie Run. Uh, something like that. Something
0: like that, yeah. yes. That, that gave you, uh, it, it was hooked up to a GPS, uh, related system on your cell phone and, um, yeah, I, would, I, would give you these little, like, are you outrunning the zombies or are you totally dying right yeah, now?
1: Yeah. I, I used to have, in fact, I had the beta version of that app. Yeah. Back when it came out in the beta form for Android. And the way – I don't know if it still works this way. I haven't used the app in a long time. But the way it originally worked was that you would be somewhere and you would tell it where you wanted to go. You would open up a map program and this zombie app and say, all right, here's – based on my GPS location, this is where I am. This is where I want to go. It would then generate these virtual zombies on the map that could actually move – So the little blips would start moving toward you, and your goal was to get to your destination without being intercepted by one of those little zombie blips. So you might have to find a different route than the one you had intended. And you may have to book it in order yeah, to get yeah.
0: there. Yeah, you, you, you might have to speed up and slow down, which in running terms is, is actually really great for training. So.
1: And there were also, as I recall, uh, there were story elements to that game as well that, that were added in later. I had it where it was just the game mechanic. But I know, and it may not even be that app, it may be a similar one, because there were a few that came out that had the same sort of theme but there was one where there was a an overall progressive storyline and as you participated you would unlock more of the story uh i got eaten uh, i couldn't get from i couldn't get from the train station to my house because there was really there was only one way you could go by foot and it kept wanting me to cut through the woods and oh, i kept no. i kept wanting to not run into barbed wire fences that are hard to see.
0: Look, if you don't bring your bolt cutters to the zombie apocalypse, then I, I don't think you're going to get very far. I,
1: I'm no longer allowed to bring my bolt cutters to work. That was the problem, right? Because this was my commute back home. And so I already had that limitation set on me. I tell you, you make one silly mistake with a with a with an internet line. And they just never let you forget it.
0: It's crazy. We're very unforgiving here at how stuff works. Um, but, but
1: but gamification obviously plays a big part.
0: Yeah. Um I mean, you know, it's it's the the recommended target number of steps per day for for healthy human people is about ten thousand, yeah. and um and that's that equals out to maybe about five miles, and uh and and yeah so so anything that helps people get to that,
1: and and in fact uh, Dina Bravada, the person I mentioned at, at the top of the podcast, who you know she's she's a specialist in in health matters and has expressed some skepticism as to whether or not these activity trackers are really, you know a huge benefit. I mean, they, they help the people who are already interested, but she did notice, uh, she did a study or she was part of a study where, uh, they gave pedometers to a group of participants, uh, in a randomized trial where some, some participants didn't get a pedometer. Some did. And they were all asked to, uh, kind of track their activities. And it turned out that the people who had the pedometers increased their physical activity by about 2,183 steps per day over the baseline. And, uh, and so that ended up being a 27% increase in physical activity. Wow. And that's, Bravana said, well, that's significant. Yeah. So if you have, if you're actually using one of these things and you're paying attention to it, then you are more likely to actually uh, engage in more physical activity and thus exercise more and, and be, uh, have a healthier lifestyle. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, that's the, chief argument for these activity trackers is the idea that with this information you can really uh, be more mindful of what you are doing and how it's affecting you. A lot of these activity trackers uh, come with software that also have as part of it a way of, uh, keeping a, a food journal, uh, mm-hmm. which is also very important because you could be exercising, but if you're not eating well, then that's not going to help yeah, you. Yeah, you,
0: you, you can be sabotaging yourself, certainly.
1: So, for example, the Body Media Fit device I had, uh, it, part of the software that you would have, once you, you had to subscribe to it. So you, you'd have to buy the device and you had to subscribe to the service. But once you subscribed to the service, you could track your meals and every meal you would track, it would tell you how many calories you've, uh, consumed. It would break it down by, what type of calories they were, et cetera. And then the the information from the device would tell you how many calories you had burned. And mm-hmm. so that would give you an idea. Like, did I burn more calories than I consumed? If I did, then I'm on the road to losing weight. I mean that's a that's a very basic yeah, way of yeah. figuring it out. Calories
0: in, calories out, yeah. But uh,
1: uh it also meant that you were much more mindful when you started doing things like if you sat down for a meal, you'd think, oh wait a minute, you know, if I wanna if I wanna be on track and I don't want to have to go home and run five miles, uh, I probably shouldn't pig out on that deep-fried onion, even though it's super tasty. Now, there is a flip side to this coin, of course. We're talking all about keeping all this data and and really looking at and making something meaningful. Uh, There can come a point where too much data is actually harmful, where you're just you're just overwhelmed by all the information and you can't really see a way of using it in a, in a way that makes sense. Uh, that can happen. I, I don't know that mo- I think most activity trackers are pretty good where uh, you're not going to get that much unless you're really digging down and you want to see, oh no, I want to, I want this in pie chart form. No, I want it in line graph form. Uh, but that is one of those things that we're going to be looking into later in a, in a later episode of tech stuff. We've already planned on recording this. We haven't recorded it yet, but we want to do an episode where we're talking about kind of that anxiety you get when you have so much information that you know, you start to think, is my life being boiled down to data points and charts?
0: Yeah. And how much of that is healthy? And, you know, it's, it's, yeah. Whether, whether or not it's okay that we know so much about ourselves at any given second.
1: Yeah. I've, I know more about me than I'm comfortable with. But, uh, and that's for a later episode. And yeah. I, I really do think that most of these physical activity trackers aren't quite at that level. It is a little interesting to, you know, sit there and say, Oh, Look at my sleep patterns. What can I do to make these better? Uh, there's really only so much you can do. You know, you can try and make sure that the Environment you're in is conducive to sleep and and rest, but uh, there,
0: there there are a lot of little things that you can that you can work on that, that a lot of people might not be completely aware of. Um, and and again, a lot of this is just about awareness. Right. Um, and al- along those lines, um, you know, these these fitness trackers that we were talking about can run from uh, 50 dollars $50 on the low end. I guess you know, ten dollars for a, a, pedometer, a pedometer, yeah, up to two hundred dollars for some of the super fancy ones, sure, or or even more for the really high level performance triathlon on kind of thing. So and, there's a huge I mean, or down to free apps that you can download for your smartphone,
1: right, which is mostly using GPS tracking to figure out how far you've gone. Exactly. Uh, and keeping in mind that that's ne- not necessarily going to translate into a very accurate measure of how much uh, how many calories you burn, but you at least give you an idea of how far you went. Uh, you know, it's it's definitely something that uh I've been interested in, in the past and you know we're about to do this uh exercise thing here at work where mm-hmm. we all have pedometers so I'm sure we're going to I'm I'm in a group with uh, Holly Fry who is a marathon runner so I know my group is going to do really well.
0: Yeah. Um yeah.
1: so I don't plan on moving for uh most of July. uh, Excellent. But anyway, <laughs> uh That's the spirit. <laughs> but but uh you know it, it really depends on what you want the device for, how you're going to use it. Uh and also like we said, read reviews because some of the ones that are really expensive may not have all the features you want and may not perform better than than less right, expensive right. ones. Right. And
0: and they they might just be, you know, for a different subset of human person than than you happen to be and right. and not yeah, not all of these are for everybody. If I may make a personal recommendation, DC Rainmaker has a blog that is brilliant. He's a triathlon runner, but um or triathlon athlete um who uh who's just uh, triathlete triathlete yes that would be that would be the technical term for that mm-hmm. uh who, who has just reviewed all of the devices yeah all of them he just gets all of them and, and puts them through the paces and um so to speak. and and he gets very highly technical which i love um and but but also tends to put his uh his kind of final thoughts in an extremely succinct package excellent
1: so. excellent good recommendation yeah uh and you know again take a look Find out what's going to work right, you know, work well for you. You know, if if you have one that's going to sync up with a smartphone, make sure that it's compatible with whichever. With your smartphone, smartphone you have. make
0: sure that your smartphone has the type of Bluetooth that the device yeah. wants to sync up with, because that can be very, very messy.
1: Right. You could say, well, it was supposed to work with an iOS device, and technically, this iPhone 3G is an iOS device. But, right. You know, yeah, it's, that's obviously something you want to make sure uh, is all all working before you you
0: dive, dive
1: in. in, but. Uh, Yeah, I think these are are really interesting devices. I've seen some great implementations. I've seen some gorgeous designs. Uh, The Body Media Fit thing I had worked really well for me. Um, I haven't been using it for a while, but uh, it's you know it was definitely. An interesting thing the, the, you, you wear it all the time, except mm-hmm. when you 're going to get wet, sure and uh, so that was kind of interesting. The idea was I, that this became a part of me <laughs> for <laughs> for several months, and I did lose weight because I was very mindful about my activity and what I was eating. And um, you know, um, I should really get back into it. But uh not that I've gained a lot of weight, but I you know, could you stand to lose a few more pounds. Anyone who's watched Forward Thinking will agree with me.
0: Aww. But anyway. <laughs> everyone, everyone can stand to be a little bit more fit, probably.
1: Probably. So guys, if you have any suggestions for future episodes of Tech Stuff, you've got some question about a type of device or a company or a person in tech or just a concept that you want to know more about that's technologically relevant Please let us know. You can get in touch with us by email. Our address is techstuff@discovery.com or drop us a line on Facebook or Twitter. You can find us there. We have the handle techstuffhsw. And Lauren and I will talk to you again really soon.
0: For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit howstuffworks.com.